0: Hello and welcome to the Global Migration Podcast, brought to you by the Center for Migration Studies at UBC. My name is Gabrielle Dompies-Woliver, and I'm your host for Season 3. The Migration Center is located in the unceded ancestral home of the Musqueam people. As we think about migration and mobility in this podcast, we remember that Musqueam people have dwelled here for millennia, and that this place is rightfully theirs. Today we'll be hearing a story from a woman named Christina. It's the first in our limited series about temporary foreign workers during COVID. The series comes from a research collaboration between UBC geographers and the Migrant Workers Center here in Vancouver. Christina was working in Surrey when we first met her. As with many people in healthcare, COVID was impacting her work life in a big way, though not how you'd expect. It was bad enough that she wanted to quit and find a new job, But it turns out she couldn't, not without losing her home and facing months with no way to legally work. How did she manage this unbearable situation? Here's her story. Christina has a roommate problem. She lives in this tiny two-bedroom apartment in Vancouver, and her roommate, this older woman, is just always around. Of course, with COVID, lots of people are staying home all the time, never going out, only talking to friends online, and maybe a lot of people have gone crazy not being able to get away from the people they live with. This is definitely true for Christina. Technically, it is the other woman's apartment, so Christina just has her bedroom to herself, even though she can use the kitchen and the living room and stuff. She has a job in healthcare that she does from home, but the other woman is retired, so she's just there, with nothing to do. Nothing to do except read the news and fret about COVID. And she started watching Christina because she's worried about COVID.
1: She doesn't trust me, like, whenever I go out, something like that, because she always, every day, every day... Christina
0: is from the Philippines, so as you just heard, she speaks in English and sometimes Tagalog. That's our colleague Vanessa translating the Tagalog for us.
1: Now, wala kaming topic na about the virus. Oh, there is no and then, day that we don't talk about the virus. Yeah, and yeah, it's like, uh, it's irritating. It's irritating also, you know. Keep on reminding me, you know, talking about the virus, and talking about like, uh, I hope you're you're doing the right thing. She always told me like that.
0: COVID worries are real, and Christina definitely has them too. But for a while, it got so bad with her roommate that it was almost like she was holding Christina hostage. Told her she couldn't go out and see her sister, couldn't leave the house except to walk a short distance.
1: Uh, one time, you know, like na puno na ako. I got fed up, so I said, you know, I said to her, "Kung kung ikaw walang trust sa akin, ano Ayong I just told her that if you
0: don't trust me, then just let me leave. But the thing is, Christina can't leave. She lives there because, actually, she's the woman's caregiver. So staying at home with her, living with her in a tiny apartment, is her job. The woman is in her 90s and mostly just needs companionship. Someone to spend time with her and do light cleaning and be there in case she hurts herself at night. It might not sound like much work, but it's actually quite hard. Hard in ways most people don't think about.
1: It's really hard because eight hours, not only eight hours, you know, it's more than eight hours, yeah. 12 hours. You know, the whole day is really, it's a long day, you know, only two of you there and you just go for a walk for 30 minutes a day. And you don't know how panong mo yung yung oras. How you pass the time. Yeah. The only thing is like, uh, babo boring ka But you're just bored. Boring. And then, uh, talking COVID, you know, everything that is, uh, you know, what I'm doing is looking for something to do, like cleaning everything, even though I clean already, keep on cleaning, like something like that. So something like anything that keeps me busy, you know, because ano in mo. What else can you do anyway? Yeah, and it's small small space, in a more space. So I just.
0: We first sought out Christina because we wanted to know how COVID was impacting her work as a caregiver, and it definitely has. It's true that when the virus first got serious, her employer wouldn't let her leave on her days off for four months. Four months. Think about that for a moment. That's 17 weeks trapped in the apartment. 120 days. That's like being in quarantine from Labor Day to New Year's. Only Christina was there with a woman who wouldn't let her go, and she still had to take care of her. Her
1: apartment is so small, so we see, you know, two bedrooms, and, uh, you know, just, it's a small space. So, I I have my off, but I, I don't consider it as my off because I stay with her, you know, just like also working because I have nothing to do. So it's so, you know, like depress depressing. You know, I understand them. I know that. I know. I understand it. But, what I said, you know, I'm away with my own family and I stay with, without going. You know, four months is really it's really hard for me. Yeah.
0: After four months with no relief, Christina couldn't take it anymore. She finally told the woman and the woman's daughter who manages the whole arrangement, either you let me go out, or I can't work here anymore. The woman and her daughter relented, albeit with restrictions. They said she could visit her sister's family again, as long as she didn't take any public transit. She can go some places now, but only if her sister's son or husband drive her there. And the woman still watches her, still seems paranoid, still talks about COVID every day. You have to hope with Christina that the woman doesn't change her mind again, because she could do that. She's the employer. COVID has made things much worse for Christina and other caregivers, but what you may have noticed was that many other things she talked about weren't even related to COVID. Long before the pandemic, Christina's job meant days and days of repetition, working hours she wasn't being paid for, living in close quarters with an elderly person whose aging brain focused all of its anxieties on her. Is this what caregiving is really like, even in normal times? We spoke with Christina to find out more.
1: Okay, yeah. So I'll start from the beginning, yeah. So actually, uh, I came in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I worked there for almost 10 years. Yeah, in the hospital, uh, children's cancer center from my age, uh, from one year old to 14 years old. All types of, all kinds of cancer, like name it and they have it, like something like that. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, uh, I uh, applied here in Canada because my sister is here with, the, with her family.
0: She didn't have any experience in caregiving per se, but her years as an oncology nurse seemed like good enough preparation for the job. But once she got into the job, it was a whole different story. She started working for the woman in January,
1: 2019. So, she is uh, 91 years old, and she is also a retir- retired nurse, yeah. And she's living alone, and, uh, and uh, she needs a companion only, companionship, because she's, so, she's able, you know, she can do, You know she can still cook, she can, uh, you know, but herself, you know, groom her, herself, so just take companionship because she's she's alone in her apartment, yeah, actually, work very close with my employer, yeah, we're very close, but sometimes <laughs> you know ninety one years old uh, you know we have an argument I don't know how many times already because first time it happened that was last year that uh it was the first time, according to her daughter, that um, she, accused me. she accused me of stealing her things. And I was shocked because I said, how? No.
0: The woman thinks Christina is stealing her bank book and hiding her pills. She gets angry at Christina and says hurtful things to her. Other times, she just gets upset, and Christina doesn't even know why
1: yeah she doesn't tell me what's going on i said w- w- what happened did i say something wrong or did you, did I say, uh, do anything that they, you know something like i said he just ignored me and then uh, he didn't, doesn't talk mm. yeah and then she goes to the kitchen and uh, grab her pills and then cut and cut and cut i said what are you doing i said uh, "Can I, you know would you mind if I help you cutting all those stuff and all these things I said no just go to your room go to your room but you know even though she told me that go to your room I still uh,
0: I still have to keep watch because something might happen
1: yeah her daughter told me that uh, she has a mild dementia yeah but but her mother you know accept she can't accept. Yeah, she always tell me that I'm back at your ko
0: Why did my daughter want me to see a psychiatrist when there's no problem?
1: So I just told her, well, you have to talk to your daughter and then...
0: <laughs> Some of this is dementia, but then there's also just personality and pride. But the fact is, whenever the woman feels hurt or suspicious or embarrassed, it all goes on to Christina. It's hard to know how to act around the woman because she never knows what the reaction will be. So at some point, Christina just stops saying much. She does whatever she needs to to keep the peace. All of this emotional work, this not saying anything, it's really complicated. It's really demanding. It takes a kind of patience and skills that are hard to quantify.
1: I want to answer her right away, like, I want to, to tell her that you did it, you did this to me, you forgot already, like, but I don't want to tell her that because it's, I don't want to get hurt, you know, one time I told her, she told me that, she showed me her, her brush here, and your bra, there's a hole in the middle, and then I said, well, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you bumili ka yan? sorry. Buy one because it's 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 old already. Like you can see that there's already some uh, oh yeah, you know she's I di ko alam na na ano pala sa sa akin na sa loob niya. But
0: I didn't know that. um Hurt her, that she, she got yeah,
1: I did not intend to hurt her. No, it's not my intention to, you know. But in her, she thinks that you should, you're not supposed to tell me that, you know. And then suddenly I said, well, I'm sorry, I didn't know that you, you know, something like I said is, I really don't, I feel, I, I'm so sorry, I told her.
0: Dementia care and elder care are a whole different world from cancer. Christita says in a way, they're harder.
1: I talked to my sister, but my sister said, you know, you're a nurse. You, you know how to deal with all this. <laughs> I said, this is not the same with the work that I have been before. When I came here, you know, first, like I am really, you know, disappointed, like, you know, I because I'd never experienced like working at home with the, like the family or something like that. You know, the adjustment is really hard for me that time. That, it's like I cannot accept my kind of job now, compared when I was in Saudi Arabia something like that.
0: If Christina could work now as a nurse in Canada, she would. She stayed in Saudi Arabia for 10 years because she could practice her profession there. Her working life was better. But there were few social freedoms, and it would have been challenging for her family from the Philippines to join her there. In Canada, it's sort of the reverse. Despite her experience, she can't work as a nurse until she redoes her training, but she can eventually apply for permanent residency and have her family join her if she works as a caregiver. Making it through the caregiver process takes years. And even though it promises a chance at some security, the path itself is more narrow and more precarious than many realize. Remember when Christina told her employer, either you let me go out or I can't work here anymore? It was a really bold risk for her. Not just because her job is also her place to live, but because it's the only job she can legally do in Canada. Her work permit is for this specific employer, which is the way caregiving works. And getting a new permit for a new employer takes many, many months. So right now, this woman is the only person Christina can legally work for. It's not just a roommate she can swap out, not a job she can just quit. So that's how bad it was when she said, Just let me leave. Being a living caregiver makes it hard to maintain the boundaries between your personal time and your work time. It's one of the basic features of the job that's easy to exploit, intentionally or not. Christina's contract is to work eight hours a day, five days a week. But as she said before, the work adds up to much more than that.
1: So when it's six or when we finish the, the dinner, like 6.30, you know, I'm already happy because at last I can, uh, you know, I can go back to my room and I can do everything, whatever I want. Like, but in between, you know, Yes, but sometimes she just still calls me. Yeah, in between, yeah. What like... Did she ask you to do? Like uh, anything, like if she's looking something or, you know.
0: It plays on this basic human empathy and a little sense of guilt, plus the fact that she's in the same small space. When you're right there and you've got nothing else to do, are you just going to ignore the old woman in the other room or not do what she asks you? The hours add up. When Christina needed time off for a medical procedure, she had to find her own replacement to stay with the woman. And it was hard, she said, because people don't want to agree to a 24-hour roll they know it's only going to pay you for eight hours.
1: So it's like alternate chicken today, tomorrow is beef, ground beef, and another chicken that, you know, we have only two kinds of this uh, that we cook, like... Uh,
0: There's a lot about this job that isn't in the job description, especially if your main role is to be a companion. In some ways, you end up living the other person's life.
1: Sometimes every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner is mostly bread. I said, oh my God, we already, you know, look at us. We're already gaining, we're not gaining weight anymore. We are losing weight. Bread every day, I told her.
0: When Christina is with her employer, the two women watch the same TV shows, take the same walk, and eat the same food every single day. The woman tends to eat only bland, safe foods because she has some stomach issues. Her daughter makes them soup sometimes for a little variety, something healthy like barley or tomato, but the woman won't eat them.
1: She tastes it, but uh, just maybe a two spoon. And then the next day she had a stomach pain and then she blamed it to the food. So I think she's afraid. She does, She said she doesn't want to go back to the hospital again, like uh, what uh, she had before. So I don't blame her if she thinks like that.
0: Yeah. Do you like the soup? Is it any good?
1: <laughs> doesn't taste at all. <laughs> And so I said, oh, my God, what will I do? So, so my employer will not feel bad that I don't like the soup. So what I did is I just put a little bit of salt because it's tasteless. And then I recook it and then I put something like seasoning, but I make sure that she's not there in the kitchen.
0: So <laughs> so, so you have to sneak around her to recook the soup, too? Like even though yeah, she, so, yeah. so she won't eat the soup. But then if you're going to eat it, you have to cook it in secret because she would be upset if she knew that you were recooking it and eating it too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because... you, Yeah, I, yeah. That's crazy. I, yeah, and the, yeah it, it
0: is. Oh, man. You must really enjoy the food with your sister's family then. Oh, yeah. I really miss
1: the, our yeah the food in here, so... Oh, whenever I have my off, I make sure that I eat what I'm dreaming of for the week. Like, I'm still there, but my mind is already, what to, what food do I have to cook, do I have to eat, and something like that. So when I'm in my sister, uh, <laughs> I'm happy.
0: <laughs> Christina spends most of her days off at her sister's house. Her sister's son and young grandkids are usually there, too. So it brings a lot of life to Christina. As she said, they cook a lot of Filipino food and mostly just stay at home together. They're as concerned about COVID as anyone, so they don't go out much either. That's one of the things that was so frustrating when Christina's employer was hounding her about COVID. It's not like they aren't worried too. She's
1: thinking that we might go anywhere, like something like that. I said, you know, I said, who? Iyo ko magkasakit because I have a family depending on me, you know.
0: The family she's talking about also includes her family at home in the Philippines. Christina has a husband and two daughters, aged 12 and 17. Like many caregivers, she's caught in this terrible dilemma where she wants to provide her loved ones with a better life, but it means spending years away from them, circulating in the Canadian economy, doing the kind of essential work that is reserved for non-white, non-Canadians. It's a costly gamble in every way, no matter how things eventually turn out,
1: yeah, I said, I told to my husband that you're so lucky because you've seen our children you know growing up, and, but for me, I said, I feel like you know I, I really missed you know their birthdays, like now it's Christmas time again and and still I'm away from them. Yeah. Mm. Now, and I hate to hate to tell this, but you know when I hear I heard the Christmas song. Christmas songs, I said to myself I really hate to hear any Christmas songs. You know, I really, you know, more homesick, you know, like if I heard like the Christmas songs, like, you know, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. but I'm just keep on telling myself and to my kids that one day we're going to be together, (laughs) together.
0: What helps you get through every day i know you love them and you're thinking about them but you're facing a lot here so can you just what what helps you get through
1: yeah just talking to my friends with the like caregivers like uh, same situation so you know so they they we feel us like whatever you feel is they feel it too because they have one same situation like uh you know share or feelings the feelings that we have like something like that so that also makes us makes me you know uh, feel better sometimes yeah we have a bible reading or like something like spiritually to cheer you up and we just uh, kept all, you know telling that you know in everything that you have now like uh, these are all like trials or you know I know that uh, God has a better plan for us. Uh, like, you know, yeah, every day we have a communications, like, you know, we just chat or texting each other. How, how are you today? Like something like that, you know. Yeah. So if they say, how are you today? That's the way that, you know, whatever you have that day, you have to... Uh, speak out like you have yeah. to speak out you don't have to just uh, you know keep it to yourself only you have to share with them you know sharing <laughs> that's all we have <laughs> sharing each other yeah.
0: Christina had applied for a special interim open work permit over a year before we talked. An open permit would let her leave her job and work somewhere else. But she actually had to ask the woman to let her stay on after her old permit expired because the new one wouldn't come in time. But now it's been over a year and there's been no word from the government, no updates on when a decision might come. It's been nerve-wracking for her and other caregivers who are waiting.
1: Uh, Hopefully that uh, at least they give us an update you know even though you pass everything you know all the the requirements all the documents that they need but you know you you you're still thinking that maybe if they approve or or not you know until now i'm still like uh uh, worried about it about my application all of us is worried we are worried also
0: Sometimes during the week, when Christina is counting down the days until she's off, when she's frustrated with her employer, when she's dreaming of being with her family, she goes into her room and closes the door and puts on her headphones. She turns on some music by Hillsongs or Don Moen, Christian music that helps ease her heart and calm her down. She spent a lot of time in this tiny room, in this tiny apartment, bound to her employer, Two years, four months, and two weeks, to be exact. In late April 2021, she finally got some good news. Her WhatsApp message to me says this, Thanks God, I got my open work permit. So happy that finally I can find a job that works for me. She uses exclamation points, and there's a smiley face at the end. The government took 18 months to approve this permit. I write back that we're thrilled for her. And she replies, yes, I'm with my sister now, and I started looking for a job and enjoying my freedom. Ha 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 ha. (laughs) Christina has gotten her first aid and CPR credentials to start working in a long-term care facility soon, actually the same one where her sister works. After all her experience, she wants to keep working with elderly people. She says she's proud of what she's learned about dementia care, and she wants to learn more. She'll keep working like this for a few more years until she's approved for permanent residency, and her husband and daughters can join her and get established here. Maybe then she can start redoing her nursing education so that Canada might let her practice her first profession again. But in the meantime, she's enjoying her sister's family, and she eats whatever she wants. Special thanks to Christina for sharing her experiences with us. Thank you to those who also made this research story possible, including Natalie Drolet, Executive Director of the Migrant Workers' Center, Dr. Jerry Pratt, Professor and Head of Geography at UBC, and Dr. Vanessa Banta, PhD from UBC Geography. Thanks as well to the Center for Migration Studies and the team that supports this podcast, including Sandra Schinnerl, Emily Ambergy, Sophia Ramos. Atya Yakta, and Center Director Dr. Anja Ellerman. We acknowledge once again the must be in place that supports the Center's work, and that gratitude for it is not enough. For more episodes and information, please visit us at migration.ubc.ca. Thanks for tuning in.